1: Put down that smartphone and listen to me. I'm Matthew Milligan, professional musician and lifelong Weird Al fan. Each week, I'm joined by professional podcaster and close personal friend, Matt Kelly, to take a dive off the deep end into the vast career of pop culture icon, Weird Al Yankovic on our show, Weird Algorithm. Along with some very special guests from the worlds of music and comedy, we tackle every song, every television appearance, and every bit of sketch comedy Al has produced in chronological order covering the good old days of My Bologna and Eat It, the fun zone of Tacky and White and Nerdy, and everything in between. As we go, we're ranking the songs, albums, and music videos in the hopes of creating the ultimate guide to a career bigger than the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. So the next time you're having one of those days stuck in a traffic jam, wondering why does this always happen to me, just kick off your sneakers and stick around for a while because we've got it all on Weird Algorithm, available wherever you get your podcasts. And now you know. Was that enough references?
2: Each week on the One Hit Thunder podcast, we welcome a special guest to come take a deep dive into a One Hit Wonder artist with us. And together, we decide if that artist brought the One Hit Thunder or was nothing more than a One Hit Blunder. You can find One Hit Thunder anywhere that you listen to podcasts. So hit that subscribe button and join in on the fun each week. We're here to... Entertain you, we'll sing your songs for good times, the best times. You can't go wrong.
1: We'll two step a new step. It won't be long when the Dixie lands are playing. Soon you'll
2: be swaying, so come on, sing along.
0: Hello, hello, and welcome to another podcast episode of Before My Time, where I, your host, Gelsie Laurie, will dive in to the marvels of the world before my time. Today, I am joined by a beautiful, lovely guest, Jennifer Zhang, and she's here to tell us all about circus freak shows. Let's just do it. Hello, Jen. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm super excited about this episode. I am terribly
3: apprehensive about this episode.
0: (laughs) That's the way I like it.
3: But it's a pleasure to be here.
0: Okay, so we are talking about like old school circus, right? Like circus freaks. Yes. I don't think we can say that in today's culture. Absolutely not. But it's history.
3: Yes. In in this case, circus freaks is the shorthand for, for how they were known, what they were known for. I think this obsession of mine, you know, I've always had kind of an obsession with the idea of being. Born with like unusual circumstances Mm -hmm. and like having to just live with it, right? Like, that's what you're given. This is what we're all given. Um, You don't really have a choice in the matter. And when you have something that's different from what most people have to deal with, you still have to get from point A to point B somehow. And I've always been really fascinated with, you know, people that have really unusual circumstances since it started in college, but, you know, generally. On a personal note, you know, as an added fascination, I think there are parallels that can be drawn between when you're a person in col- person of color in America. You know, I'm not, I'm obviously not saying that minorities in this country are necessarily feel like sideshows or freaks, quote unquote freaks. Absolutely not saying that. I don't want that to be taken out of context at some point if I ever run for office. <laughs> um, <laughs> Why I'm
0: never running. It's too much, too much crap on me. But
3: you know, like when when you're a person of color in America all your professional and your social and romantic interactions are necessarily aware or at least suspicious that your race is somehow factoring into how things are going in those interactions. It's like a different way of living than going around in this world as the default in this world being America, being mm-hmm. part of the majority. So so on a personal note, you know, as a, a person that has to contemplate my identity a lot in this society, I think there's always been this you know, a spiritual connection to circus freaks. Yeah, right? kind of that. The like it, it's an extreme or, form.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's really a nice like way of like a connection there of that. and
3: So it doesn't come from a place of cruelty. Is, of course. Is, I guess yeah. the general gist. Of
0: it. And it's something, yeah, really interesting. to. I've, I've kind of never thought of it that way. I mean, I couldn't be more white bread myself. So I know kind of where I stand and I'm very highly aware of that. But yeah, I've never kind of thought of that relationship of that before. And it's even before when you were talking about the outcasts and having in their situation, finding and navigating to get from point A to point B and given what, you know, back in, in the times, and we'll get into kind of historical dates of when things started, but the world was not as kind, you know, we're still navigating and trying to get, the world is not the kindest place still. And like you were saying, obviously some personal woes that you've had to deal with in your life. And that's the current modern day we live in, but it's it's pretty good compared to what it used to be in every aspect, and so which is it's crazy to think that you know we think God it's like everything's such a shit show right now, and then I'm like open up a history book and everyone's like fuck I don't know where we're going yeah but.
3: no no I, I I totally feel you and the the weird thing about you know right social justice obviously not so great in the 1910s 1920s and when it came to being a freak, quote unquote, quote unquote, in society, um, especially when we're talking about circus freaks. If you ever had any kind of handicap or deformity back in those days, it was almost, uh, it's the worst thing to say. I know I'm going to do this a lot during this podcast.
0: <laughs> so I will disclaimer this right now. Everyone, listeners, you know where right. we stand. We're just kind of quoting history yes. here.
3: But back, back in the day, it was like, if you were going to have some kind of deformity or handicap, you would almost want it to be an extreme deformity or an extreme handicap because then you could actually stand to profit or, you know, make a career out of it Yeah, versus I,
0: just being kind of in that middle ground of not quite a spectacle enough or yeah. And I did see, and I'm sure um, we will get into this on kind of what the pay and I, I know it kind of went all over, but I have read a couple articles on some really famous freak show acts that did, made a very, very good living. The camel girl yeah. is the one that popped up on a Profile I find, and, and we can go into her. And I, I know she made close to like what would be equivalent today to yeah. $5,000 a week or something. And I was like, wow, that's yeah. great. That was, I was happy to read that instead of just like, oh, they worked for breadcrumbs, like, which I'm sure happened to. So, yeah, absolutely. Where does the freak show, sideshow kind of circus pop up in history? Like? So
3: it's like, you know, 19th century and 20th centuries, like late 19th century, early 20th century, you know, it coincided with like vaudeville. It all kind of falls under the same same umbrella of old timey entertainment that I generally have always had a fascination. Oh, with.
0: I was just telling um, someone, I was like, I wish I was around when vaudeville was here. Cause my career would be stellar. <laughs>
3: right, exactly. This is, this is like pre talkies. Exactly. Is, you know, exactly. The circus sideshow golden age or whatever, you know, and it was interesting because PT Barnum, right. Mm-hmm. was the most famous manager agent talent scout when it came to circus freaks. And he made a bunch of people's careers by, you know, Taking them to the big time. A lot of the circus freaks, like you said, became celebrities, met politicians, traveled the world, met like royalty, were dressed well, treated well, were able to retire early, Mm -hmm. got married because they had notoriety. But, you know, that wasn't always the case. It swings to Two sides of the spectrum. When it, I mean pendulum, really. When when you're talking about the lives of, of circus freaks, there were the ones that made tons of money, and then there were the ones that were swindled nonstop and exploited mm-hmm. through their entire lives, died penniless. You know, any fortunes that they did amass, there was always some kind of you know somebody that would come by and and swindle them out of it. So they're they're just like incredible stories of tragedy mm-hmm. and triumph that come out of this particular subject. I mean it's a, it's it's a rabbit hole that I revisit like that I've revisited every few months of my life since college when I first became really fascinated with it. But it's interesting that you mentioned the camel girl, right? Because mm-hmm. there were generally two categories, which is one like the the abnormities, people that like aren't really masters of their circumstance. And then there were the stupid human trick category mm-hmm. of freak show and camel girl. Interestingly enough, so she was born with the ability to bend her knees in the opposite direction. Cool. So yeah, her I whole just saw a picture was, of
0: her the other yeah. the other week, and <laughs> I like, cool. yeah. um,
3: And so she would be able to walk on all fours like a camel. But she, in my mind, fits under this stupid like stupid human tricks thing that's my category for it where it was almost a more fortunate version of it because you could turn it off oh could she? i didn't know if oh yeah she could turn it off and in fact she at one point in her career in her early you know early in her womanhood went eh i've made enough money I'm fucking rich now. Sorry, can I curse on this podcast? Oh yeah,
0: yeah, we curse all the time.
3: So this fucking camel girl was able. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> this camel, this camel girl was able to be like, "Fuck it, I've made enough money. I'm tired of going around bending my knees." So she was able to just, just stand up and and decide she she was hanging up her her act and um, went to school, you know, had a great life, enjoying her riches from being able to just bend her knees. In the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. There were a few people that were human pincushions. Human pincushion oh, was a, seen, a popular.
0: Yeah, I've seen that. I don't do all like the nails in. Ugh.
3: But those people were stupid human trick category. They they had the option to not
0: right. stick like, a sword through themselves. Yeah, like you don't <laughs> need to swallow a sword. You don't need to put a nail in your eye and nose. And I, people still do this. And I, I was somewhere recently where I, some museum or something, and they had like kind of a sideshow walkthrough part. And there was a guy that was like, I'm going to nail a nail into my nose. And I was like, what day do you Ugh. wake up, especially now in this day and age when there's plenty of other options, do you go... I'm going to put a nail <laughs> up my nose. Yeah, I like how you said, you have the option to not do that. This
3: day and age, maybe that would be an OnlyFans, you know.
0: Oh, you know what? <laughs> Someone out there is into it. It is fast. I think it in that kind of like stupid human tricks like the human pincushion element there was and still is with human fascination like we like To see things that make us go, ah, why would you do that? But seeing someone else, it's the same reason we watch Jackass. It's the same reason we watch Wipeout and all these shows. Like We like to watch people do stuff and go, ah, that we don't – And I don't know why as humans we like that. It's
3: morbid fascination. That's exactly what like freak shows play on is that undefinable primal thing.
0: Mm -hmm. And so what were some of the other – Sorry, we have the pincushion, human pincushion. I want to hear more about the humans.
3: Right. Some of the yeah, the, the common the common ones you would find across different circuses, right? Uh, a lot of the ones that people know of bearded ladies. Mm-hmm.
0: Who actually would have PCOS, which now is a known problem with women and it's an uh, ovary whatever, blah blah blah, science. Look it up. Hormonal problem, but any bearded woman had that. And it's you have a lot of weight issues and you can grow a full beard. And that's why and now I'm like, oh god, they just kind of like she's bearded freak show put her in and now we're like oh my god we understand why yeah. and I, I think that kind of development too is really interesting
3: very interesting i mean another another thing that fits in the category of what you're describing is like hermaphrodites mm-hmm. you know this day and age it's really not that not that big a deal like it's but we understand biology better but like back then people that had both male and female sex organs and became like freak shows where they like did one half of them like a male and one half of them like a female and then that was their act was be like come look at i'm like half and half and and it's ludicrous now when you think about it yeah. you're like this day and age somebody who has like that particular biological feature live a normal life yeah. more or less you yeah. know like in surgically can ha- has surgical options or or not but back then it was like you had one option
0: the circus. That's very true. And it's and it's just like through an understanding in society, I feel like we've, I mean, obviously in morality, moral rights, like we're, we're getting a little more mm-hmm. like moral savvy as it goes, but it's just even these things that we now medically understand and go, okay, this happens and this is why, and the genes, blah, blah, blah. And it's science is great kids and you have options to to deal with it or not deal with Mm
3: -hmm. it you know there was you know bearded ladies of course dwarfism Mm gigantism, human pincushion thing like people who are human skeletons which you know we probably these this these days understand to be anorexia oh yeah i didn't
0: realize that that was one of yeah
3: yeah people who were just like look how skinny this person let themselves (sighs) get and it's like we're like help them.
0: <laughs> I guess too. They had that, and then there's always like the fat lady, and so it's like the morbidly obese.
3: Yep, which could have been hyperthyroidism, mm-hmm. contortionists, tattooed people. Like these were the common acts uh, that you would find across circuses, and then you had your very very unusual, you know, the 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 famous historical shows were like Siamese twins, mm-hmm. you know, Chang and Chang and Ing, Elephant Man. Mm-hmm. Right? There were people that had something they, they called them pinhead uh shows but they were people that had microcephaly um that's where your skull doesn't grow with the rest of your body and it causes like severe learning impairment and mental development impairment there was i guess the most famous one was uh Schlitze, who if you've ever seen the movie freaks uh, which i'm sure we'll get into yeah i gotta see this freaks is is interesting i would, i'd love to discuss that particular film with you. But Schlitzie was somebody who suffered from microcephaly, mental impairment, head shaped like a, a you know, came to a point mm-hmm. and was male. But for some reason, his show was to, to appear as a woman and be like.
0: A dress and drag.
3: Yeah. Dress and drag. The interesting thing about people that had microcephaly or dwarfism or, you know, certain things that made their, Facial features look maybe primitive is a popular thing back then was to call them the missing link, right? Mm-hmm. There were a lot of missing link freak shows, which was like, this is like somewhere between Neolithic man and modern day man. Right. And which of course, total bullshit, yeah, no, but yeah. that's what a lot of these things were.
0: I know it's so hard to like, to, to really start diving in and open up. It's just my heart breaks. I'm like, God, this is so fucked up. Just
3: awful. But you know, that was part of the, the appeal of circus freak shows was the best fabricators of a, a freak show were the people who were able to find these talents and then form some kind of completely ridiculous narrative around them, Mm -hmm. right? They essentially had these pitch cards that they would hand out like pamphlets to try to get people to come see the show. And they had these elaborate backstories for these people that had deformities, right? Missing Link freak shows were very popular because the pamphlets said things like, you know, I was traveling the Amazon and we came across this, you know, this this amazing specimen (laughs) by a waterfall and yeah, and he's you know, like I like, actually
0: have lived on the street but yeah
3: <laughs> right exactly like yeah. I was in the Bronx and uh my mother was you know a, a seamstress but that was a lot of what this was was the the intrigue behind freak shows was part of like it was a backstory that was created for them and uh P.T. Mm-hmm. Barnum was one of the best hoaxsters that ever lived, right? For this reason, the greatest showman. Greatest showman.
0: <laughs> no, that's like what he was known for, right? Was putting on the spectacle of taking anyone that would be part of his show and, and making a huge spectacle of it.
3: Yeah, tapping tapping into the parts of us that the want to, you know, know more and um, mm-hmm. and being able to give us something that we never could have imagined and
0: yeah, your wildest dreams,
3: yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, and it, it is literally a man's wildest, you know, fantasy, like fabrication. And we're, we yeah. ate it up back then. We as if as if you and I lived back then. We're not that you No. Know.
0: <laughs> well, here, yeah, take my money. Yeah. So getting into like the more tragic, sad part of it, because this is really shitty and all sad. Is it correct that like the really, really bad ones that were exploited, didn't they like have some people living in cages and kind of treat them like animals? Is that true?
3: Yeah, they were some truly, truly terrible you know, situations, um, especially among the ones that didn't understand what was ever going on. Right. Right. They were like, who had, I mean, the most tragic things, they were often sold into the circus from Mm. like parents that didn't, didn't want them, didn't know how to deal with them. Literally were like chattel, right? They just, they sold them like a commodity because it was a win-win for them to not have to deal with it. And then the circus would be, and so some of the, some of these people didn't have any, literally had no one in the world that cared for them, cared about them. Right. Like from the moment their peculiarities manifested, it was like, they were just discarded. And then who was ever going to champion them if you were lucky. Right. And I'm not, not to say that the elephant man was ever lucky, but you know, the, the elephant man, fortunately, unfortunately had medical professionals who took an interest in him and and he had his faculties about him. So he was able to communicate and and be seen as a a person that people should have compassion for. So, Mm
0: -hmm. I mean, in
3: his case, he became a celebrity in his, in his lifetime.
0: Yeah. And I I mean, that's a better case scenario than (laughs) someone basically sold into carnival slavery. And and...
3: right. One of my favorite stories, I say that without any glee, right? I say that with like Mm -hmm. a human compassion, like a human fascination. Absolutely. There was a an act called The Two Headed Nightingale, right? And it mm-hmm. was conjoined twins, Millie and Christine McKay, and their parents were slaves. So the instant they were born, they were sold immediately, right? And it was like it's it was almost like slavery within slavery. Yeah. They weren't they weren't ever gonna have autonomy anyway. And so now they're sold as as slaves, but also as like slaves to a circus. And the tragedy with them was like they they were such a hot commodity because they were also very talented when they grew up to be um girls they could sing they could harmonize Mm. like one of them took like alto and the other one took the soprano parts and and that's how they got their that's act kind of cool the two headed nightingale yeah it's nifty like you and they could play the piano and they could they had wow. a dance number that they did but they became such a hot commodity because of how talented they were on top of also being freaks right because of the mm-hmm. conjoined twinness of them that they were like kidnapped several times Ooh. they they were really seen as like a prize to acquire mm-hmm. just just awful like i mean their story ended up being okay they ended up being able to retire when they were emancipated with the other slaves they they were very smart and they got like a really good education and they were well respected later in their years but like man it was a rough start for them that's
0: brutal heartbreaking that's, gosh yeah it's, it's um i'm glad that none of this still exists cuz oh thank god I know. I mean, it is interesting though to talk about, I mean, I guess the things that still do exist would be the stupid human trick aspect. And of course (laughs) that comes out of human. I I don't know if you know, I was in the circus for a long time. I'm an aerialist. So I am a circus performer. (gasps) So I'm very close. So obviously I have a lot of friends who are contortionists. I know people that have to swallow swords and like, and it's, Mm -hmm. very it exists today I used to work nightclubs burlesque clubs in New York that are like the hot commodity there's one that's called the box and it's very VIP Um, I didn't perform there but there's another one also called the slipper room and I did my aerial acts there and there's a lot of burlesque girls and but I know at the box they would have like one act like two people came out and were naked and threw darts into each other like a heavier couple oh, and that was their act. And so like when you said the pin, I was like, that shit's still going on. <laughs> like, just for the rich people drinking their, you know, bottle service, watching that. I was like, what? This is crazy. But again, they chose oh, that.
3: I have a question for you then, because I have yeah. this This touches on a very interesting aspect of the freak show life that, that I have always. So when you were in the circus, it, was there did you experience like a, uh, a unique kind of, bond with your community like is there like a circus
0: community totally the word circus community is I mean it's it's a very tight-knit it's family like I always love – Um, I don't know if you've seen Madagascar, the circus. I think it's, like, the third one. And I think it's, like, the leopard is, like, circus is family. Like, I'm, like, that's that sums up, like, <laughs> all of Eastern European, like – It is. And a lot of times it is generational. Like, if you go into the more old school as far as circus acts go, you're going to get people mm-hmm. that are, like, I'm sixth generation high bar or – um bunking or high wire tightrope kind of like people there's a lot of it runs in the family and if it's traditional circus kind of um caravan style kids grow up in that and you learn to do everything um mm. i haven't done a proper caravan circus um i had an opportunity to do it and i turned it down because it's like i don't think i'm gonna like that but anywhere you go in the world i mean yeah the circus community is very tight and we're, it's a family and it's right. crazy and- how much i've left it and it's still i'm so inner twined with it. And I meet people and I'm like, do you know, like, it's nice. I, I do love that aspect of it.
3: I can only speculate having absolutely no stupid human trick ability <laughs> that there has to be some special bond that comes from, you know, being an outlier, even if you're like an elective mm-hmm. outlier, as in like the thing that you chose to be able to get your body to do is unconventional, right? And And you choose it and you love it. And then you find yeah. people who are also outliers, like you do on some level, I'm totally speculating, like take pride in being a freak.
1: Put down that smartphone and listen to me. I'm Matthew Milligan, professional musician and lifelong Weird Al fan. covering the good old days of My Bologna and Eat It, the fun zone of Tacky and White and Nerdy, and everything in between. As we go, we're ranking the songs, albums, and music videos in the hopes of creating the ultimate guide to a career bigger than the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. So the next time you're having one of those days stuck in a traffic jam wondering, why does this always happen to me? Just kick off your sneakers and stick around for a while because we've got it all on Weird Algorithm, available wherever you get your podcasts. And now you know. Was that enough references?
0: Right, being oh, being absolutely. different, being very different. Oh my God, it's a pride. I feel like we all like get off on like, look what I can do. I mean, that's literally our career is like, <laughs> hey, you want to see me do this from one hand and fifty feet in the air that's and right. put like it's, it, it totally is. And it, with the elective like acts, like you know, contortionists do have somewhat of a natural like they were born with a flexibility. But you can also mm-hmm. train it. They train a lot and have a very strict regimen. Um, but I would say like I'm not a contortionist in any way. But every I wanna say every other skill, it it's just training, be it hand balancers, mm-hmm. jugglers, unicycle, high wire, aerialists, like you name it, it's mm-hmm. it's the hours put into our life in the gym and that bond is, you know, where I used to train at this mm-hmm. gym in Vegas and I would be there every day, six to seven days a week, six hours. I mean, I just I lived at this gym, and we're all there training together. And there'd be this section of like the aerialists, and right below us, there's a guy on sur wheel, which is like a giant hoop almost, and they kind of spin in it, and it's awesome. And then someone over there is practicing hand balancing, and someone's, you know, and we're all kind of like there together doing our own things. But sweating together, hurting, bleeding, bruising. I mean, it's that's another thing I think we all kind of pride ourselves on is the circus is very painful. And we all have a very high pain tolerance because you have to. And you just kind of train it. And so it's like this like unspoken, I don't know, we're just like, we, we know what we all put in to get to where we're at. Yeah. And so there's a mutual respect, there's a mutual support, and everyone wants to share. It's really cool when you're at the gym. If, like, sometimes I'm just like, I don't want to fucking climb my silks today or be on my hoop, or like my hands would just get so raw that I was like, I can't hold on today. And if you just start wandering around, someone'd be like, Oh, here, you want to do handstands with me? And I'm not a good hand balancer. So they'll be like, Let me show you this. Or, Hey, you want to try this cool thing with me? Like, everyone wants to share their craft and is so open to help each other, which is a really cool thing. I love. Thank
3: you for sharing all that. Cause I also, I love the idea as well of there's a nobility to it because Mm -hmm. it's not like you're doing it necessarily for fame or money because when was the last millionaire contortionist, you know, is there a Jeff Bezos of jugglers? (laughs) Exactly. It
0: really is. It's one of those. (laughs) I'm like, you know, we you can make a great living and, and live a nice life, but you're not gonna yeah you're not gonna be on a not first doing class it for the jet glory. ever in the circus i still would joke i'm like we are working for peanuts y'all and like what we put our bodies yeah. through for the yeah no it is such a pa- everyone is so passionate about it oh,
3: now opening for ariana grande this person that throws darts into her boyfriend <laughs> exactly
0: <laughs> no you might like i mean i know a lot of circus performers who have toured with pop Stars. It's a big thing for someone to be singing, and then there's like aerialists in the background. And I had a good friend. um, I was with Cirque du Soleil for three years, and so one of my friends that was in the show also toured with Katy Perry, doing his act. You know, so like there's there's definitely a lot of work, and it's getting out, and a lot of movies and commercials and TV shows are starting to add those elements in, which is really cool. If you don't love it, you're not going to bleed and hurt that much.
3: (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. The the community aspect is something that also adds to the fascination. Um, That's why I was. So interested in the modern circus.
0: Yeah, it's obviously changed. I mean, there's laws, <laughs> which are good. Mm-hmm. But you had that. Oh, yeah, the community and family. I mean, it it is that kind of old school, which I think did even exist back in old school circus.
3: I imagine it was like tenfold.
0: I'm, I'm sure it was so much more extreme because, you know, now in the circus, you still can go home to your own apartment or house and you kind of have your own life. And it's not like even when I was on the road with shows, it's um, there's a little bit of that separation. But yeah, um, let's talk yeah. about you wanted to talk about the movie Freaks.
3: Yes. And this ties directly into it. So Freaks was a movie directed by Todd Browning. It's considered his magnum opus. And it's a very disturbing film where he employed a bunch of real circus acts at the time. And it's questionable whether or not uh, some members of the cast even knew they were in a movie. So that's to his his greatest critics. um find the film to be exploitative because oh, wow. you don't know whether or not some of the actors in it understood what was happening. But it's a film, the, the basic premise is that there's a a woman named Cleopatra. She's like a trapeze artist or something, something mm. stupid human tricky, right? Where she It's like an elective talent that she has and she's mm-hmm. gorgeous. And she decides to seduce um, circus ringleader who's got dwarfism to, in order to marry him and you know, take his money, but she's secretly in love with the strong man in the circus. So it's like this really cruel conspiracy that they have to rob the circus of of its of its money. The reason why the film is so controversial is because it features real circus acts, right? Um, some of these acts were like the biggest acts at their time. Schlitzi, the pinhead that I would mm-hmm. mentioned, the pinhead act that I mentioned earlier, um, was featured in this. There was a character named Josephine Joseph who was, you know, hermaphrodite, right? The the half man, mm-hmm. half woman. But it's really disturbing because what happens is in the end, the circus freaks band together when they realize how this woman is exploiting them and they chase her down and Kill like they her. murderously chase her down and they mutilate her and turn oh. her into a freak.
0: <gasps> oh, um, that's better than killing her.
3: Yeah, they turn her into the human duck, which it's like very ambiguous what they do to her but it's not good right because by the end of the movie people are coming by and they're they're like lifting the veil on a a box where she's covered in feathers and has no limbs and can't do anything but quack and you're like oh my god like wow extremely extremely disturbing movie and it effectively ended todd browning's career even if you've never seen the film itself like there's a scene in it that's really been pervasive and has kind of found its way in popular culture and people mm-hmm. reference it all the time. And it was even referenced in like Wolf of wall street and nobody knows that this is where it came from, but you know, the Google gobble, one of us. Yeah. That that one of us, one of us Google gobble, one of us. That's yeah. from that movie.
0: Oh, um, I love little, like I love when films do that and put in little things from a movie that you're like, you either know exactly what it is or don't. Yeah.
3: Yeah, it's so obscure, but it's a scene in which um, all of the circus freaks are passing around a cup and trying to, like, with alcohol in it and trying to express that accept this woman, Cleopatra, into their very tight knit community where they all feel like they're family, they're in it together. And it's this celebratory Mm -hmm. moment. And they're chanting that, right? And Mm -hmm. she is horrified by the prospect that they think that she's in their community. She obviously sees herself as being above them. So she rejects them by, you know, screaming that she's not one of them and like throwing the alcohol on them and like driving them out of the room. And it's so disturbing because at the end of that scene, the only one left in the room is her husband who's uh, got dwarfism, right? Mm -hmm. And she further emasculates him after all his friends have been, his friends and his family whom she's now alienated him from have been driven from the room. And she like picks him up and is like, oh, do you want to play horsey? And she puts him on her shoulders and like prances around while her lover, the strong man, plays the trumpet or something behind them. And it's a very disturbing movie. Damn, this is dark. It, I thought
0: Saw was dark.
3: Yeah. But one of my fascination, I mean, it's one of the origins of my fascinations with Circus Freaks is because one of the things the movie did was put on the big screen, these acts, right? Like where you would have to go to This circus to see these people and this was like a who's who all in one film right and they and there was considerable screen time given to their particular acts that they were famous for there was a character in it called the human torso who had no arms and no legs right and and moved by Mm -hmm. like scooting around on his belly and he could roll a cigarette with his mouth and with you know what he had, wow. and that whole thing is is featured in the film, and so it's an interesting character study. It's an interesting snapshot of what it was like to to be a circus mm-hmm. freak back in the day. But the thing that is amazing about it that I love is its emphasis on tight knit family that they mm-hmm. formed.
0: Well, and it sounds like it's it's almost like the first time that it's giving a point of view of finally giving sympathy and showing kind of what it's like from their perspective and you know here's someone that is evil thinks she's above them and she's not and showing her as the villain and she is and and painting that light and showing that instead of it being in the the other perspective where it's like oh no she is better than them and they're like you know and which i felt like maybe that's kind of what society had seen before and now it's kind of this like no these are people yeah it sounds very twisted and dark and
3: that was where the split was with critics Mm -hmm. right the, the critics who hated it were like, this is exploitative and crazy and like disgusting and no, nobody should be subjected to watching this film. And then the critics that loved it saw exactly what you saw. They're like, mm-hmm. this is a film that humanizes. They're like, this is an exercise in compassion right mm-hmm. it humanizes people that we like just pay money to go and see and we don't see the behind the scenes where they sit around at a dinner table and
0: yeah like this is their reality and so it's it's almost like you know there's films i feel like that are made that are like oh i don't want to see this but it's like no this needs to be made so it can get out there in a certain way and with this movie being made do you know kind of when the fall of the classic sideshow freak show like when that kind of ends because obviously we don't have it today which is great but
3: yeah i'm i'm less versed in that i imagine Mm -hmm. that it was probably with like the popularization of movies right
0: yeah i mean that's that's very true the talkies come in and it's kind of live shows vaudeville's dying out everything starts Mm -hmm. dying out i mean broadway thank goodness survives but (laughs) yeah that's true but i was just curious if maybe there was some kind of crossover of you know, also, people are waking up to going,
3: oh, shit, this is really wrong. Oh, you mean the social the social part of it? Yeah, I, I'm i woefully um, uninformed about when it started to die out, but it probably mm-hmm. coincided with exactly those things that you're talking about, where entertainment becomes, like, you know, screen-based, and also as people start feeling, like, ugh, about waking it. Waking <laughs> up?
0: <laughs> Getting woke, Perhaps. as we would say today?
3: But those are—that exact dynamic, though, is— is one of the things I also really love about the study of circus freaks is people going in feeling like they're, you know, people are starting to wake up to the idea that, Holy shit, these are people, you know, mm-hmm. the best, oh gosh, the very best examples that I have of, of that thing happening, that exact thing happening is I think his name was Lionel. He's like the lion faced man, right? Mm-hmm. Very right. here suit. You know, the whole thing where his entire body is covered in, in hair. But other than that, he was a very intelligent man, very gentle. He was a scholar. He knew five languages. He was very well read in general and very cultured. And people would go to see him because he's a freak show. But all his show was, was him having a conversation with you. (laughs) So you, you would go in to be like, let's look at the hairy man. And then he'd be sitting there, you know, dressed very well. And, you know, Hi, how are you today? And, and you'd leave his his exhibit thinking like, "Holy crap!" I went in seeing I was thinking I was gonna see a hairy man, and I had a lovely conversation about Voltaire. <laughs> right? mm-hmm. yeah. it was, it's those it's like those stories that I love about the freak show thing is that uh, you know people unexpectedly realizing a part of their own humanity and like seeing the humanity and in, in these people and um, the biggest proponent of that really interestingly because he was also Greatest exploiter of that was P.T. Barnum.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: He ended up being a politician. He was an advocate for the Thirteenth Amendment. You know when that debate was happening, and and he was one of the people that was like, "By the way, there's a human soul in every single one of these these acts." You know, and mm-hmm. and he was very vocal about you have to consider that. So yeah, there's that.
0: Yeah, I have to I have to like completely be honest about like I know obviously who P.T. Barnum is, and I'm aware of like his career, but not the exact like details of historical just because once the greatest showman came out i know that's like movie version not accurate and so i'm always like, <laughs> ah. like he was a handsome sure man who sang lovely <laughs> it is kind of cool though even if again that movie was done a more shallow vein like there are some awesome songs that i do bring to light you know the times of their options at that moment is to be in a, a freak show in a circus and the kind of like i love the anthems they really wrote of I'm a person and this is who I am and I'm not scared. And like, it was a really powerful message. I thought,
3: yeah, there are people that ha- are so pervasive in our culture, you know, and a lot of times like they, we don't remember their names. We just remember their deformity, mm-hmm. but they, they're huge influences on like our, our pop culture. And the, the main thing that I wanted to, to draw the parallel with is like, you know, how do you live? How do you live? How do you make the most of a life where you, you don't even have a choice to be part of the, the majority or the default, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah. Of, of the times, it wasn't really, didn't have an option.
3: Yeah. It sucks. The greatest triumph of freak show stories, circus freak stories, is how you turn disadvantage or adversity uh, into something that, you know, makes life bearable. They're dealt some really, really bad cards and how do you make the most of it? given given like really unusual crappy circumstances and it, it's it's about perspective right it forces you to take on like some extreme perspectives to to study these figures in history and that's really what life is about is we only have so much time right we can only live so many lives vicariously we can only mm-hmm. enrich our own existences in so many ways before our time is up and i find it fascinating to explore uh, people whose existences really were on the extreme side of mm-hmm. unusual. Yeah. So it's it's worth looking into.
0: Yeah. No, I love that. That's a great wrap up, and I do think you know there's so much to learn from it, like you said, and be it learning a perspective of life, making something out of the situation, and also learning, looking back, going, this was really shitty as a society that should not have been yeah. done, and yeah. going forward, going, great, we're not going to do that, and I learned something, and I think that's something very important to. You know, everyone's like, well, what's the point of learning about history? And I'm like, so you learn (laughs) because obviously (laughs) it repeats itself. And unfortunately, we make mistakes. But I I think there's something so valuable to gain by looking back so we can move forward. Okay, so Jen, where can people find you? This is the part of the show where you get to shamelessly plug yourself.
3: I wish I posted more about that particular interest on my Instagram, but it's mostly just thirst traps. You could find me at at the Jennifer Zhang. That's me.
0: We're all here for thirst traps.
3: (laughs) I spend most of my life being ashamed of myself and not feeling sexy. And I've really come into my own in recent years. And so I'm like, you know what? Before it's too late, I'm just going to feel sexy in a public way. Hell yeah.
0: I love that. And because you are gorgeous and sexy. I know our listeners can't see you, but I'm going to vouch. Duh. Yeah.
3: But also, like, I'm going to really disappoint everyone because they're expecting some racy stuff. And it's really just me looking nice in a dress. Anyway, (laughs) the main thing to follow me for is my filmmaking adventures. Uh, I've got two short films hitting the circuit this year that were fairly big budget. It's not just the budget, obviously, that makes a short film, but they are the most high stakes short films I've made in my career. One is called Fetish, and one of them is called Autopilot. So look out for that. And I sold a feature film last year called Sharon, but it's spelled C-H-A-R-O-N, that I'm told is getting released in Q3. At the beginning of COVID, When everyone thought that the lockdown was going to be two months tops, I decided just to try to make a feature film by myself in my apartment. So I did it on my iPhone dude, and I shot it. I did a web series though. Oh, you did?
0: I did a web series on my iPhone in my house. I was quarantining with my parents, so I forced them to be a part of it. But I shot it, edited it, wrote it. Yeah, that's so... But mine's like a series instead of... yeah. Oh, I yeah, I wanna see this. Oh my god, oh, we're friends. We are friends. I told we're you we're friends. friends. I was like, you've got girls and numchucks behind you. We're, we're friends <laughs> and now we're we're like friends. That's so awesome. Yeah. We're friends, friends. I tell you you can't lock up creative people.
3: Exactly. I've I've always said that if you have a story in you, nothing will stop you from telling it if you really want to tell it and then covid lockdown happens and i'm like well time to put my money where my mouth is so yeah i know and there was like
0: you're kind of forced to you don't have oh i'm busy or other things or i got to go to work to pay bills kind of excuses anymore it's like i literally have time thank you so much for coming on and no
3: thank you i love waking up early in the morning to talk about circus freaks
0: (laughs) (laughs) no other
3: joe and sad show chat (laughs) i haven't had an opportunity to talk about this particular it's not something I go into a party and like, start conversations right, yeah. <laughs> over a meeting. So it's been refreshing to share this this particular interest with you. So
0: thank you. Good. Oh, yeah, we're here for it. Thank you. It was fun. Yeah, it was very, I learned actually a lot. So that's good. Yay. We accept the one of us.
2: We accept the one of us. Google gobble, Google gobble. We accept her, we accept her. Google gobble, Google gobble. One of us, one of us. Google gobble. They're going to make you one of them. Well, Gelsie, that was a very, very packed episode, and it, it tapped on some pretty heavy stuff, so let's get a little light. You made a couple of references to it. I know that I love it. You love it. Let's talk Greatest Showman for a quick second. I was all
0: the Muppets. No. <laughs> I was like, how are we going to tie this in? No. <laughs> Let's talk Greatest Showman. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I I have like different playlists on my iTunes for when I go for runs and I have different like moods. I have like I'll run to army callback, like drill sergeant stuff. I'll run to classical musical run. And I, the Greatest Showman is I did a run like two days ago where it was just that soundtrack nothing gets me going like that music it's
2: so good can I tell you my I don't know if this is even a controversial opinion but it's just my my opinion about okay. the greatest showman soundtrack and I I love the greatest showman soundtrack but I think that this is me is such a high point that the last like three tracks on that soundtrack almost it's a disservice to those other songs because yeah, like
0: it is this is me is like that's an anthem that's like the anthem it's true I love though go back home the and we will come back home, and we will come back. Home. That song, like, gets like I will sprint when it like the build up, and even in the scene in the movie when they're like all dancing in the bar, and it's just that like they've hit the low, and now just being like, no, we're gonna get through. I don't know, and I love the choreography, and it's like the energy and passion in that number, and all the dancers are so incredible. I do, I love that song
2: from now on. I think is what it's called. So oh, from, from now, now on, that's on, that's right. on yeah. an idiot, and. And the other side, both of those songs, mm, that one's fine. I like a lot more when they're in the movie than I do if I'm just listening to the fair song. Enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The people stomping and banging doesn't come through on the yeah. actual like recorded. I think guest that's,
0: album. It's totally fair to say about a lot of like. Yeah. Well, it's a musical, so like a lot of musicals, be it a Broadway show or a movie, there's a lot of songs that when you you need the full picture to get the passion and the emotion, and when it's just a song alone, it doesn't serve that. I mean like anything. I mean, you can listen to almost any show and some of the songs, but like, I feel that way about Hamilton. Like the music's yeah. It's it's great. And it's fun, It's catchy, but it's like, I need the like dancers in the background and them like standing on the table. And then you're like, yeah, yeah. Or, or it, yeah, it's just, it definitely <laughs> needs. No, I get that. Sometimes you need the full package.
2: If you've never seen it, I'm sure you've seen it. Cause you're a freak like me with this type of stuff, mm-hmm. but this is me. If you watch the, the performance of them, during practice, oh god! Where,
0: yes, they're in their um. Like, yeah, where she gets so meetings. overwhelmed
2: that she's like holding, yeah, she's like holding on to Hugh Jackman for yeah, stability. Yeah, he's just like, like there for.
0: It. He's standing and just. So, it's such a good, yeah. It just shows you, and then it's they actually did they rehearsed the movie and did it in a workshop series as you would an actual Broadway show. So that is a studio in New York. For those of you who didn't know, I lived in New York. I did the Broadway scene. I auditioned a lot. I rehearsed a lot. And those literally were the studios we were in. And so it brought me back to kind of that nostalgia too of like missing, like those rooms and you get a bunch of talented people in to rehearse and they're singing and it's a whole show just in rehearsal clothes and in those walls. It's it's a really incredible thing to be a part of and or witness and that video did a really great job capturing it. And I, I think it shows a lot that they decided to rehearse the film and create it in that way that we do stage shows. It's cool that they did that. So, yeah.
2: It's nice having that, like,
0: that the family. secret handshake. Almost. Yeah, you kind of yeah, like yeah, perfect. absolutely. You're in a club. It's nice to be a part of something.
2: Well, if people wanted to be a part of our club with our secret handshake, where's the best way that they can keep in touch
0: with us? Join our cult. What? I mean, club. Did I say cult? (laughs) Weird. Um, (laughs) Anyways, you can go over to Instagram. Find us at Time underscore podcast. Say what's up. DM us send a couple likes. Go over to Facebook, search Before My Time. There you will find the lovely community of people who are like-minded and also love things before their time. We're there to share fun pictures, old ads, anything you find that you're like, this is retro, this is cool, I want to share it. You found this podcast, so obviously you know where to find it, but we are on all major podcast platforms. And please give us five stars. I mean, unless you're like, that was shit. There's three that breaks my heart. Don't do that. But it's your life. Give us five stars. Give us a cool review. We really appreciate it. We appreciate you listening so much. You are why we can keep doing this. And I'm glad you like to listen to me just rant on about shit because I guess I'm all right at it.
2: (laughs) We'll be back next week with even more Before My Time.
3: You're listening to the Geekscape
1: Network. Put down that smartphone and listen to me. I'm Matthew Milligan, professional musician and lifelong Weird Al fan. Each week, I'm joined by professional podcaster and close personal friend, Matt Kelly, to take a dive off the deep end into the vast career of pop culture icon Weird Al Yankovic on our show, Weird Algorithm. Along with some very special guests from the worlds of music and comedy, we tackle every song, every television appearance, and every bit of sketch comedy Al has produced in chronological order, covering the good old days of My Bologna and Eat It, the fun zone of Tacky and White and Nerdy, and everything in between. As we go, we're ranking the songs, albums, and music videos in the hopes of creating the ultimate guide to a career bigger than the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. So the next time you're having one of those days stuck in a traffic jam, wondering why does this always happen to me? Just kick off your sneakers and stick around for a while because we've got it all on Weird Algorithm, available wherever you get your podcasts. And now you know. Was that enough references?
3: You're listening to the Geekscape Network.